0: Welcome back to a bonus episode of Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I'm your co-host, Luanda Tony, And today we're here to check back with one of our guests from earlier this season, Dr. Marguerite Rosa. Since talking to us back in February, conversation and concern around education finance has skyrocketed. States have seen major decreases in revenue due to COVID-19 and the budget cuts are going to be tough especially because school expenses are going to be high when our kids finally return to the classroom. I'm already imagining the price of all the wipes and hand sanitizers school districts are going to have to buy. And that's only the beginning. So we are so happy to welcome back Dr. Marguerite Rosa, research professor and director of Egenomics Lab, to talk to us today. Hi, Dr. Rosa. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yes, thank you for coming back. We have so many questions, so let's jump right in. Can you talk to us about what's happening right now in education finance? Why are districts in such a tough spot right now?
1: Sure, school closed and everything, but the financial effect is really going to hit hard for the school year that starts in August and September. And the reason why that's how that plays out is that most districts get a sizable chunk of their money from the state. And the average is around 45 to 50% of their money comes from the state. And in most states, state revenues have taken a nosedive. They might come from sales taxes or income taxes. Mm -hmm. And when restaurants are closed and hotels are closed and so on, then states don't bring in as much money from their sales tax. Also, states are having a lot of other expenses right now. So they're Mm -hmm. paying for contact tracing and all these things. So states have less money to give districts. And whether districts have heard or not yet any official announcement, nearly everywhere, districts will find sooner rather than later, they have less money for next year than they thought they would have. And that means they're going to have to make cuts. One thing I would point out, in your intro, you mentioned the cost of wipes and sanitizer. And that, I think, is a common misunderstanding because most of districts' spending is on labor. Labor is 80-plus percent of what a district spends money on. Mm -hmm. And the wipes and the sanitizer are small, tiny things, but it's really the labor costs that will be most affected here especially when the district spends about $14,000 per pupil. That's a national average. That money would go a long way in terms of wipes and sanitizer, not very far in terms of labor would have
0: to be cut. And when you say labor would have to be cut, what does that mean for a parent? What type of labor? I think in many districts, there are ways
1: to reduce the labor expenses, and that can come from furloughing days, so their staff are working fewer days, or It could be foregoing pay raises or even having salary cuts, or it could be laying off teachers or laying off other positions. Mm -hmm. There are a few districts requiring their employees to pay more into their health care plans because that's another labor cost, but that's the range of options.
0: Got you. What advice do you have for school leaders who are trying to figure out a way through this crisis?
1: If you're a school leader, the first thing you want to do is communicate about the financial strain coming so that you help your school communities, whether they're teachers or parents or other staff members, understand what it means and that so much money is essentially spent on labor and help people start to understand the trade-offs that are coming their way. And the reason we say this communication piece is so important is that people will think it'll be great if I can argue against furloughs, and then they don't realize if I'm successful at that, what I might do is force more layoffs. So they don't understand always the trade-offs. The other thing I would say, if you're a school leader, is this a really important time to advocate for your students, what matters for your students to still have next year. And that means you have to know where to be able to give too. So if you really want to save your nurse, Mm -hmm. then you may have to forego a vice principal or something like that. And I think that's something that school leaders will be uniquely positioned to be able to weigh in on.
0: It sounds like a lot of tough decisions that need to be made probably over the summer, right?
1: Well, I think the timing is still a question mark because a lot of states aren't announcing specific cuts until they go back into a legislative session. Mm. Some districts haven't revised their budgets yet. And what could happen is that a district will start the school year with the old Budget in place, and then these cuts will be communicated after the school year starts. And that's the worst time because you may have a second grade teacher laid off, and now these kids already have a relationship and they have to be scattered among other classes, and so on. So, I think it would be smart for school districts to do what they can to go ahead and plan for the budget cuts that are coming their way, in part because if you can save money earlier then you won't have to cut as deep later.
0: And how do you find out if your district has started that process? Where do you go to look for that information?
1: I would look at any announcements from your state. Your governor and many governors have announced a percentage cut to K-12 education in their state then check to see if your district has made any announcements. You can also check the board documents from your school board. And if you haven't heard anything, I would ask your principal and then begin to go up the chain of command at your district. If the principal says, I haven't heard anything, you can ask the principal, could you ask the district? It seems like we should hear this sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I think the system is trying to process information but should be doing that communicating earlier if possible. And they may not have firm numbers, but they could say, we don't have firm numbers yet. We think it'll be anywhere between a 5 and a 10% cut. So that's also helpful.
0: And how can parent leaders and advocates play a role in the decisions that are being made right now, or the cuts?
1: I think parents have a really important role to play at this moment in keeping the focus of decision-making on students. It's really gonna be easy for organizations to think in terms of what's best for our staff. Mm -hmm. That may or may not be the same decision that's what's best for our students. So you might make different decisions if you're trying to ensure that each school is protected to the maximum possibility. If you do seniority-based layoffs, for instance, that's a way to lay off all your junior teachers. And if you have a school with mostly junior teachers, they're disproportionately going to lose teachers. So the parents can say the agenda here isn't a staff agenda. The agenda here is a what's best for students agenda. And where those two things Mm -hmm. line up, then things work well. You'll hear a lot of districts when they go into budget cutting and maybe it's shorthand, forget to put that emphasis on students. And that's where parents can play an important role. The other thing, though, I don't think parents can advocate against every cut. We've got to understand the trade-offs and say, Mm -hmm. I'd rather have this than have that. We know, too, that a lot of decisions about this fall and what school looks like, people are talking a lot about the health implications, but pretty soon those conversations will Switch to economic ones. What can we actually afford to do? Mm -hmm. So, somebody might say, Would be great if we had twice as many teachers and half as many kids in a class. Well, they don't have money for that. So, if the choice is the most economic one, is to go back to digital learning. And if that's not what parents want, parents should advocate for and recognize there are only so much money. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to see a bunch of different scenarios that we can afford and be able to weigh in on those. Great.
0: I do have a question with a lot of schools being closed and have been closed for a couple months now, was that considered a cost savings or no?
1: The decision wasn't made for cost savings, but I can definitely say that. Oh, of course. But many districts did have some underspending at the conclusion of the school year. So if you think about the fact that They may not have spent money on their substitute teachers or professional development days or graduations or banquets or other kinds of things. There are districts that went ahead and spent more money on more laptops or digital learning kinds of things. But generally speaking, we saw some underspending by districts. Not a lot, but most 1%. And some districts did more underspending by furloughing crossing guards and things like that, we saw Oregon, some school districts furloughed even teachers for one day a week. And the idea was to conserve some money now while schools are closed and be able to roll that money over till next year when we have bigger budget cuts and hopefully we'll be able to open schooling again.
0: Thank you for clarifying that for me. Dr. Rosa, thank you for coming back to the show to provide us with this update. Are there any new resources available for parents and educators that you might suggest?
1: There's a lot of coverage of what's going on in districts and you don't need to read even just your own, but you can look at places like Education Week. They're doing a lot of reporting on the financial impacts Mm -hmm. with districts and places like that that can help people understand how the finance works and how the decisions are made. The other thing is that Every state will be posting spending by school no later than June, and those data Mm -hmm. will be a year old, but they will be a starting place to say, if my school received fewer dollars per pupil, and maybe I have a high-need school than other schools in my district, I can use these data to really advocate during budget cuts that we don't get hit harder than other schools. So I think that's a resource that could be useful.
0: Great. And can you remind us your social media handles and where our listeners can go to learn more about you and your work?
1: I'm at Marguerite Rosa, M-A-R-G-U-E-R-I-T-E, and my last name is R-O-Z-A, and I'm on Twitter. And most of my work is available at the Edunomics Lab website, which is edunomicslab.org. And Edunomics Lab is E-D-U-N-O-M-I-C-S, Lab, L-A-B. It's a made-up word, combination of education and economics. Mm -hmm. That's where really all of our stuff is.
0: Awesome, Dr. Rosa, you've been great today. Thank you again for all your expertise and advice in helping our families and our state leaders understand what's coming. Happy to do it that wraps up today's bonus episode. But before you go, be sure to check out our website notes from so that you can stay in the know and learn more. Thanks for tuning in.